Hello, Podwalkers, and welcome to a very special episode of the Goblin Lore Podcast. Now, I say it's a very special episode, and not only because all three hosts are actually here today, but it is also episode number 200. Roughly, I guarantee that there's <laughs> there's completely ways that the math could have been off at some point. I have never gone back and checked. It is the episode we are celebrating as episode 200. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we are calling it 200 and that's good for goblins. Um, so yeah, so we're going to be talking today uh, about some of our favorite cards. That's actually what we're going to be discussing. Um, so we'll get into that in a couple of minutes. First, we want to just go around and introduce ourselves and... Um, our question for the day is going to be um, in honor of Sheldon Menery, who we're going to say some more words about uh, in a second here when I have a chance. But first, I just wanted us to, to acknowledge that one of the biggest assets that I think Sheldon brought to anything was his ability to just be kind and to, to really encourage that kindness in other people. Um, and so... We, as a host, decided that what we wanted to do was for our question for this this 200th episode is to say, what is something kind or nice that we can do for others this week? And I proposed this question and then obviously did not think at all. So <clears throat> I'm going to pass it over to Alex, who I heard speak already. <laughs> yes, I uh, I guess I, I picked my place in line um, by, by talking earlier. So I'm Alex Newman, found on Twitter for now um at mel underscore chronicler uh, my pronouns are he him and i did actually have an answer to this um so this is something and this is i don't know this, this feels maybe a little weird answering for this but it's something i'm aiming to do something i've been aiming to do for a while but and it would be more than just this week but something at my work we have a system called recognition central where you can just send a little thank you to people or you just recognize people for the things that they've done at work, things that are making, you know, even if it's just, this is their normal thing, but it was a escalated situation for you. And this was something super urgent and they just took the few minutes now to do it rather than sitting it on the pile to get it done later. And it's a, it's a thing that I love whenever I get these recognitions, it means a lot to me, but I have been really, really, really bad at using this system to recognize other people. Um, it's been on my goals for years. It's a thing that I just keep, trying to do. And so I, I, I'm going to take this to kind of push myself to sit down tomorrow and, and sit, find something to set of recognition and try to do that every day this, for the rest of this week to just try to get in the habit of doing, using this system that it's just a nice little thing. And, and it can be a nice little benefit. Um, managers in the company have the ability to give people points, which isn't exactly cash, but can be turned into things like Amazon gift cards and Nintendo online store gift cards so at least for me it's good enough which is nice but even outside of that it's just i know one point i had a i had a few days off and i came back and just had a nice recognition from someone that a couple people put comments on and it just felt really good to have the recognition of some of the things i was doing so i want to try to do that for other people that's a good one uh we have something similar at work too so that's actually a, a that's even something that's a good reminder for me. So, yeah. Well, Taya. Hi. Uh, How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. Uh, mostly for a Monday. Uh, I, I'm Taya. Uh, Taya transcends on most social media. Uh, uh, she, her, they, them pronouns. And I had to think about this. Um, 
you know, what is something I can do to be kind to someone this week? And I think it's just being supportive for people. And it's something I try to do all the time. You know, I'm one of those Facebook friends that is always like checking in when I see somebody post something and like, just, are you okay? Is there anything I can do to help? Is there anything you need? And, you know, just making sure that, you know, I'm reaching out to somebody or sometime this week and just offering to be there. And uh, I try to do that whenever I can. Sometimes, you know, maybe lately I haven't been as good as that because I've been dealing with a lot of depression myself, which kind of lowers my spoons for helping other people. But, you know, this week I'll make an extra effort to um, just reach out and help somebody else. And I am Hobbs Q. My pronouns are he, him. I can be found everywhere on the internet since 1998 as Hobbs Q. And I think for me that what I really want to do is th- is thank my wife more when i say that though i just like i'm always telling my wife what i appreciate or that i appreciate her or that i love her but i want to be just more specific about what it is right like just thanking her for things that she does to help with the kids um especially as there is like we've had some struggles lately with just the oldest girl kind of almost you know, seeing the youngest get more attention for doing things because she's young and that's that she doesn't can't communicate. And so it leads to her then at times seeming like she is is is, you know, like acting out in a way that can frustrate me and that, that I struggle with. And my wife has done a lot to support, but I want to be specific. And I think that's the biggest thing for me is I'm, I'm oftentimes trying to, you know, be kind to people or nice to people or offer encouragement or, you know, excitement over things that they are. But I don't feel that I'm always specific. And I want to start working on being more specific about what it is. And I just know that because for me, when I get that, it just it feels different. Like when Alex was saying, like people make comments on it or somebody talks about like something I did at work and tells me what it is. um, It feels a lot better than somebody just being excited for something I post and just being like, hell yeah, or heck yeah, or whatever. and that's like that I do. I just get very excited for people, but I want to be more specific about that. So, so before we get into our actual kind of meat and potatoes of the the episode today, I, I did want to take a couple of minutes to, you know, talk about Sheldon Mentory. So, if you're listening to the show and you are, are have not heard it for some reason, um, Sheldon uh, passed away from his battle with cancer, his seven year battle with uh, various forms of cancer in terms of resurgences and just where where there had been different metastasis to um it is something that he had been very uh, open about his struggles with but i think people did not necessarily know how where he was at in terms of um the the fact that it was a pretty shocking loss i would say that you know even people who know that he had been sick for a long time were not necessarily aware that that it death was imminent or or that it you know that, that up until a week or so ago he had even been talking to people about you know plans to go to vegas even knowing that that was very much an outside chance um he had still been talking about it because he wanted to go uh sheldon was somebody that 
has been on the show. So he came on and talked to me about his battle with cancer and about his this concept of a legacy. Uh, one of the things that he has always talked about. So, I mean, there's a lot. And I'm struggling for words here because I've been struggling to process this loss. I, I was, you know, fr- I, I was friends with Sheldon. Um, you know, I, I had a lot of good conversations with him, not about magic. And I've known Sheldon since probably towards the beginning of being on on Twitter in 2010 and had, you know, gotten to be more than just kind of acquaintances with him. So I'm, I'm, I've am I'm been struggling a little bit with just finding what I want to say or, or words to say and to recognize somebody that had, you know, it's wild, but an impact not only on competitive magic, but uh, on like the casual world even more so. So Hubs, I'm really sorry to cut you off, but just yeah. for, some, for some context for folks who, who may or may not be aware, Sheldon is one of the founders of Commander. Yeah, the so, format. Yeah, so he became the Godfather of Commander. Yeah, not the grandfather, as Hobbs likes to call him. Um, <laughs> the Godfather, yes. So he uh, he had he had seen kind of the seeds of the format played other places, but kind of refined it with people um, in the Duelist and other places, and really was the champion of it as a format, especially among judges. Which is kind of what's funny, as people may not know, he was an he was a a level five judge. I mean, he was basically the the judge for pro tours um he was at the top of the judge game he he innovated a lot of stuff to do with catching cheating in in the early days of magic with without that ability um competitive magic for sure and it's hard to say what would have happened without competitive magic in those early days would not have been sustainable there was just rampant unfortunately cheating and stuff that was going on um in those days and a lot of it was just like small things like how to register a deck list was something that people would find ways to cheat around and he you know found systems to be able to deal with that and he retired from from judging and they basically made him judge emeritus like um because of his contributions and while doing all that he also championed commander and I, I mean, without Commander, I'm I'm not a Magic player anymore. Um, I, I I came to the game from casual sixty card Magic kitchen table, just whatever. But I mean, even by 2010, 2011 at my LGS, that that was going away in favor of Commander. And I really do think that you know, w- without Commanders as a format, which is just wild to me to think like what we take for granted now, but like when I started playing like that, that was such a difference, right? This whole idea of a singleton format, a hundred cards, like it became the epitome of casualness and casual. I don't even know the right word. Yeah. I mean, and, and for me, but the, to cut off too much for you, but I, I, I'm in a similar boat. I, I wouldn't be playing magic right now if it wasn't for commander. And it, it, for me, we came in with some 60 card casual stuff, but way back in the day, we, came up with our own well we 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 had some other wacky format that we heard about from some other people at a a local convention that i don't know if it exists anymore open saint cloud called saints con um so we played party decks which were minimum 300 cards um and a few other random things and so for for us me and my dad and kind of the people we played with that was magic we played a lot of casual magic like that so when i quit and then came back i started playing standard because that's a thing i knew existed but finding out about Commander was like, oh, so now 
more people to more play this sort of big deck dirtle magic that I used to play growing up. And that's what really pulled me back into the game. Yeah, Commander's pretty much the only thing. I play limited with friends once in a while, but Commander's really the only thing that keeps me in magic at this point, uh, other than the story. And I know that for me, uh, Commander is what what actually drew me to Twitter um, because I, I was learning more about it and learning that there was actually a community. And, now, and I am talking 2010, um, which was prior to my move to Min- Minnesota. And it was from there that I started making connections with people much more all around the world to the point where I actually you know, felt comfortable moving to Minnesota, somewhere where my life really is taking like a, a turn. I mean, in terms of just being settled and feeling comfortable. And it wouldn't have happened without Commander. It wouldn't have happened with without, you know, stewards of Commander keeping it going with an actual mission behind it, which is something that I don't know if if Sheldon gets enough recognition for. I think he is I mean I think I think it's known but one of the things that stood out to me as I saw the days, uh, you know, after his passing was people were sharing stories about, you know, interactions with Sheldon or just him at events or just meeting him or interactions just online with him was how many people from different groups, um, especially groups that historically have not had as much of a voice, talked about the fact that Sheldon lifted lifted them up. And I mean, I, I will say one of the things that I know about from Sheldon is he, he surrounded himself with good people. He kind of said that, like that was his like greatest gift was, you know, he just surrounded himself with good people and interesting people and important people. And he was just very not blind to privilege. Um, he was very aware that he was an old white dude in a gaming space. And I started hearing the stories of of people that he took time to both mentor, to give uh, space to, whether that was playing on the rules committee stream when it when it um, started up, you know how they were intentional. And this is something that him and I talked a lot about when he was on the show was about intentionality, about seeking out, you know, the voices that he wanted to see move this game. Like he, he you know. He kind of always said, you know, he plans to be here forever, right? That was his goal. Um, and he didn't have plans to go anywhere soon. But it was also just, you know, whether it was cancer or not cancer, you know, there's an inevitability to just life in general. He was an older male, white male that, you know, even if I, I think would have kept playing magic until he, he dropped dead no matter what. But he wanted commander and he wanted magic and he wanted the community to be able to continue long after one or four people as it was one day that has now expanded to six and who knows where it will be beyond that. And I believe that clearly was his goal. And I think that he, he um, just, yeah, there's just a lot about him and I've been struggling to find kind of the, the words to talk about the impact uh, I mentioned it a little bit on Twitter the other day that it, it it's this weird thing that like magic is always to me a microcosm of the larger world. We've seen it with just, you know, like the way stuff happened in the 2016 elections was the same way that we saw things happen with various gamer gates and 
Jeremy, well, with quartering and everything else, just like it, ma magic is a microcosm. And within that, you know, we're, yeah, yeah, our our community is small, but even within that, we have the larger than life like celebrities. And this is to me the first time that we've reckoned with like the death of a true like magic celebrity in the era of of this level of social media um and it's this weird thing because it's also some way that a lot of people in our community had personal connections to and personal stories around and it's just it, it, the ramifications is greater than just sheldon is what it has felt to me watching this in the in the past couple of days um so I don't know if either of you had things you wanted to say or thoughts or anything as I'm going on quite a lot, but. No, I think you covered everything I'd want to say. You know, I, I wish I would have gotten the opportunity to meet him. I was hoping I would have gotten to meet him at <laughs> Minnesota, uh, but uh, <laughs> that didn't work out because of his health. And, uh, you know, yeah. I'll be sad that never happened. Yeah, I, I, I never got a chance to meet him either, which. Makes me even just a little more regretful, maybe, of the the fact that well, he was on the show. There was a there was an opportunity, but the scheduling was tough. So I just said, "Yeah, go ahead and record without him. It'd be great to have him on the show." And I'm glad Hobbs, you had a chance to talk to him on the show and have a good episode with him. But I just I regret that I missed that that opportunity at least to have a conversation with him. And like I I, I went to I went to Richmond it was my first event post. COVID, um, and in part, I had chosen that event because of the plans that he was going to be there. Um, I didn't choose Minneapolis for that, that reason, but I had anticipated, you know, hoping to get to do something. And unfortunately, those were the two, two of the events that, but before each of them, he had major medical kind of issues. Um, mm -hmm. Minneapolis, I think, was kind of the, the you know, the I know that when he, his travel was really restricted kind of after that anyways, but um, yeah. I hadn't seen him in person in many, many years. I had been fortunate enough to play online and have some opportunities to, to play with him. Um, but I'm going to miss him. And um, I just think about the fact that like when we even reached out to say like, hey, do you want to come on the show? And, you know, basically I approached him with the idea of coming on and talking about cancer and about mm -hmm. how uh, illness and um, physical health can impact the relationship with our game. You know, we, it, it was like almost no question about it. And, um, you know, one thing I will share to just, you know, like thinking of the, the things that is his, his sense of humor was, um, I was in a DM group with him and Scott Larrabee for, for, for Minneapolis prior to him being able to come. And I didn't even think about it and responded to a, 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 a message in there, like around talking about the barbecue and Scott, actually Scott did Scott responded to that message saying, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to make your barbecue tonight. And Sheldon in typical kind of, I think Sheldon fashion responded back with, yeah, seeing as I'm still in basically like the ICU, I probably won't be there either. Uh, just like the dry wit there. Uh, I had reached out to him uh, about filming for our, our last year uh, for our fifth anniversary, you know, like, Hey, do you want to record a little something? We have this going on. And it was kind of like a, Hey, uh, yeah. So, um, I'm in the hospital, so probably not going to be able to get that to you in time. And it was just kind of like this, like taking that time to actually respond to this when like he was in a hospital, right? Like obviously dealing with serious stuff to still take that time to even just 
joke about it, but reach out and say like, yeah, I'm not going to be able to do this. Um, I think just shows a lot. So, uh, yeah, this obviously has gone on longer than I was planning. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's okay. So yeah, right. our 200th anniversary, our 200th All episode. Right. So 200th episode. So we're here. We're going to talk about 200 of our favorite magic cards. I'm so excited. 200 each, right? Yeah, 200 each. That's right. Okay, good, good. Because I, I, I've been, I've been staying up nights yeah. working on these lists. You so. gotta, yeah. So uh, I guess since I'm talking, do you, do y'all okay with me just starting here? Yeah, just start with your top. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to start with one of my favorite cards in one of my favorite decks. So in it's not the most impactful card. So this is this is a Myzira Irene deck. This is a green, red, black deck I built years ago when the Gitrog monster came out. And I'm like, yeah, that looks really fun, but I need to play Seismic Assault with that. And so I made a green, red, black deck so that I could do that, but I needed a commander. I went with Zyra Irene. I've talked about this deck on and off on the on the show. I, I like the commander. It's kind of a a good grease, just kind of helps to 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 make the deck work, but isn't the central uh, focus of the deck, which is not how I mostly have built commander decks before or since. So I think that also makes it a little special for me. But the card I really want to talk about is Realms Uncharted. So this is a card that like every time someone talks about the like, okay, so if there's a secret layer for you or what, you know, I, I think recently, um, I don't know, somebody was, was talking about, you know, what cards would you really want reprinted with some nice versions? Realms Uncharted is always the answer for me. So this is two and a green for an instant from uh, Rise of the Eldrazi. Search your library for up to four land cards with different names, reveal them, and opponent chooses two. Those go into your graveyard. The others go into your hand. And so it's Gifts Ungiven for lands, if you're it's familiar like, with Gifts Ungiven. It is literally Gifts Ungiven. It's Gifts Ungiven for land. It's a four, it's a three <laughs> mana instant. I don't yeah. know how it doesn't get played more. I, know. I really don't. And, and, I don't. But it, like, even the posture of the character in the art is Gifts Ungiven. Like, it is right. straight up that card. I love this card, and it has never been reprinted. It has one printing. And in a land-centric deck, particularly a land-centric deck that cares about the graveyard, I don't even need to do shenanigans. Like, like Gifts Ungiven, you can do some fail-to-find nonsense to put stupid things in your graveyard, and that's why it's Banded Commander, I think. It's been a while since I've looked. Yeah, this, it is. Okay, thank you. <laughs> like, I don't even need to do that with this card. Yeah, it's and that's totally fair. But, like, I don't even need to do that with this card. Four lands with different names, whatever. I'll just get a bunch of. I'll get a bunch of fetch lands. I'll get a whatever. I'll just put some lands in my graveyard. I don't even care. I want lands in my hand. I want lands in my graveyard. I just want lands cycling through every zone that I can. And this is a great card to just kind of fuel that. And I don't so, see it ever played. No. And, and it hasn't been reprinted and it bugs the hell out of me every time <laughs> I think about that. So that's, my, that's my first card. It hasn't been reprinted and it's still only a $6 card. Yeah. Yeah. I, Despite how many copies I've bought. <laughs> so that was your number 200, or are you going uh, one to... We're, I don't, I'm going to say 200 in no particular order, because that's okay. a lot of work. <laughs> that's basically yeah. what I think you always do, Alex. Your, 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 your ranking system always is in no particular order. Yeah, so. I bring them up in the order that it feels relevant. <laughs> okay. So, Ted, do you have one? Yeah, I do. And I'm going to start with uh, one that is um, so good that it has its own 20-minute video on Rhystic Studies. Uh, it is 
Um, good old one red for three damage lightning bolt. I mean, you can't get more red uh, than the classic instant. Uh, you know, it pretty much defines the color in a lot of ways, in my opinion. Uh, one of the cleanest card designs you could possibly have. It's really cool because it's part of like the 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 cycle, right? Yeah, Basically, part of the boon cycle, like the boon cycle, like from yeah. the beginning. Yeah, three of which are fantastic. <laughs> one of which is utter garbage, and the <laughs> last one is yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. And, and but, like, <laughs> but like it, it really did, right? Like it was red. It could it could go to creatures or players. It it's simple. Yeah. yeah, it's simple. Yeah. It's clean. It does exactly what it should do. It does what red does. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a- it, the Christopher Rush art, the original beautiful art, is just an absolutely gorgeous piece of yep. classic um, fantasy art. I don't know what else to say about it. Uh, you know, as a red yeah. mage, I, I kind of <laughs> had to go. I had to go for that as one of my top picks. I, yeah, I appreciate that. I love the fact that you're just like, I don't even know what else to say about it because there yeah. there isn't anything else that needs to be said. It's it's a great. Three. Well, it's yeah. a great Melthos, as, as you guys were both kind of saying. Yeah. It hits the flavor perfectly. It's a great mechanical card. Of those five boons, it's like probably it's the one that's good but doesn't need to be banned. It's it's yeah. it has <laughs> a really good balance there. It's the mm-hmm. fairest of the good ones. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have Ancestral Recall in the power nine and, and banned. <laughs> yeah. It's a little much down to healing self is probably not enough. And it's like right in a good spot in the middle there. Yeah. Right in the middle. That's exactly where it belongs. <laughs> so the first yeah. one I'm going to do is going to be kind of the first card that I really think. And, and this is funny because it's going to hit on two different aspects here. It is going to hit, it is actually going to almost be like a Melthos card, Alex, um, in some ways, because it's going to be hitting on much more of a art and kind of flavor of the card, but also mechanically what it does. Um, because th- these were the two things that were like revelations to me. So this was my move from playing kitchen table magic to actually building a deck that like that that was competitive, right? Not necessarily I was going to take to a store, but to be more competitive even among my friend group. And I I so like this was my first like back in 2002-ish like looking up deck list online to find out what people played and the like you know the the the, the concept of net decking was just kind of starting out. But when I saw this card, so the card is Upheaval by Kev Walker. And it blew my mind because I think this was really the first piece of art that stuck with me. Like that I actually paid attention to the art more than just like for a recognition factor to see a card hit a table and I could tell you what it did. Right. You know, like I knew what my friend's cards did because I see the art and I could identify it. A people had this real Frodo standing at Mount Doom, like the, the way the outline of the figure is, looks to me like hobbit-like for some reason when i first saw this art i didn't really parse that the other stuff was floating necessarily but it just felt like epic to me in a way that art hadn't um and then i read the card and the card is for six mana six mana return all permanents to their owner's hands and i'm like 
I started seeing this pop up and listen. I'm like, what? I don't understand. <laughs> like, if I return everything to everybody's hands, I'm going to be like just as behind as everybody else, right? Um, this is it was like it was a it was a literal uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, when something like shifts, like the uh, it's like the level up moment. Yeah, like the level up moment. The word I am searching for is like a change in like a zeitgeist. Like, you know, where it's like paradigm the, shift, a paradigm shift. Yes. Also a magic card. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like it was like the shift in my brain of like, oh, I can float mana and, and like play something else. Right. Like I can set everybody else back, but I'm not actually as far behind because I'm going to drop Psychotog or when I learned to play multiplayer zombie infestation, because then I could just you know, return everything, play the zombie infestation, discard everything in my hand to make a bunch of two twos, right? Yeah. Like, because I, I played with second target that I was like, wait, I can only kill one of my friends. Now I got to figure out how to beat the other one. <laughs> uh, so like zombie infestation was great for multiplayer, but like upheaval was the first card that really stood out to me as like, wow, like, huh, that is supposed to be a mechanical quote unquote drawback. Why would it be costed so high? Oh, right i can do things like tap out for more than that um so upheaval is my first one yeah that that was like the moment that i realized i could discard madness cards to looters and just get all value yeah (laughs) okay so that brings it back to me so i'm gonna talk about let's talk about the weirdest well, maybe not the weirdest, but the one that I got the weirdest reaction from people when they saw it in my deck. I want to talk about Fractured Power Stone. So this is a uh, two-mana artifact that taps for one to add one colorless to your mana pool. It has a second tap activation. Uh, roll the planar die. Activate this ability only anytime you could cast a sorcery. <laughs> so, I, know why, I know why you're choosing this one, and it makes me so happy. I'm talking about this because this is in my Kozilek the Great Distortion deck. Um, I love Kozilek. It's, it's actually a commander deck I built around the same time as Zyra. Um, and those are the two, those are the two first commander decks I had ever built that I had together for more than six months. Um, I've had, I've had them together for like eight years at this point now. So it's, I love these decks, but one of the things is my Kozilek deck slowly evolved into, I'm not trying to do any colorless nonsense at all. I just want to cast Kozilek as many times as it takes to win. Is that three? Is that four? Is that five times? I have enough mana rocks to find out. And so this deck runs like 30 mana rocks and needing more to try to just build fill this deck out i found a fractured power stone because one of the first things i bought was a random um uh plane uh, plane shift that's not plane shift plane that's the chase, other uh, deck thank you very much plane chase yeah. it was crond yes crond vidon clad um plane chase deck uh, because I wanted to build this green-white enchantments deck, and when he attacks, he exiles things. It seemed cool, but um, never really did much with that deck. But so I had this fractured power stone just like sitting in my artifacts, and then again looking for these, I stuck it in my cosmic deck. And and that's the thing is, is even to this day, there's still not that many two mana rocks that make colorless mana. There's some. There's more. There there was like almost none when I put first put this in the deck. But even to this day, you're still looking at 
three-ish. Or you're looking at like four mana to cast it gives you two, which are still good. And I have some of those in the deck, but I love having more at that two point. And I also love having this deck card in my deck because whenever I play it, people look at me askance. I genuinely at a commander night, one time I played this card and someone asked me if it was legal in Commander. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely legal in Commander. And then it, it's because like, in that same pod was someone who plays com- played Commander Plane Chase with his friends and he had never seen this card. And apparently oh, I yeah. changed their entire meta by being oh. a goofball. So that is one of my favorite cards in my Cosmic deck. All right, well, I'm going to, to stay on theme, I'm going to shift around my order a little bit, and I'm also going to talk about a Mana Rock. Um, I'm, I've am i got a lot of cards from Alpha, just because it goes back to just how much of the foundation of this game I love. But uh, this card is going to be on this list and a pick for me, just because it was in my first pack, and I remember the art, and I remember opening it, and I remember knowing almost nothing about magic, and knowing this card was just stupid good, and that card is Solver. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Nice. <laughs> um, it was in my first starter deck of Revised, and... Um, my, my playgroup at the time, you know, knowing nothing but what was in the poorly written rule book that came with the starter deck, um, thought we could tap it for any color of mana, uh, because you just, you know, tap for two. So even better than what it is, which is already disgustingly broken and one of the best cards of all time, uh, but yeah, it's knowing nothing about the game. That's one of the cards where you can just look at and understand that this card is bonkers. Yeah, that's that is a far better artifact to have associated with the beginning of Magic. In my head, I still think of conservat conservator because oh. that was in my first starter deck in <laughs> Three tap prevent the loss of up to two life is not a terribly great card but yeah and what's the casting cost to even get it out is it four, four. Yeah, that's what i thought four so seven <laughs> mana to prevent your first two loss of life yep that's that's yep. way worse rate than healing self just play healing yeah. Well, if, if we're sticking on mana, uh, I guess, um, I'm going to go with... So when I started playing, it was from a friend of mine who taught me in college. And from that time period, it was basically just whatever people had. And what happened to have was like black-red decks is what I learned with. And those decks happened to have just like dark rituals in them. So, you know, me not really understanding the concept of like ramp or like, you know... N- having these decks where the three drops were still not great didn't really realize at that time the power of this i just really like this idea that like cool maybe i can cast this like lava monster on turn one which i actually don't think i can because i think i had to return a red or black creature to my hand (laughs) what i'm thinking of but either way i i think like the most broken thing i learned i could do was i could be like oh i could him to torok you on turn one and take a point of mana burn Right. Like it wasn't until I learned like later when I first built my first like kind of quote unquote extended deck that I was like, wait, this can cast a hypnotic specter on turn one. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like 
Uh, and then years later, when I was the Storm player that I was, Dark Ritual is by far one of my favorite manic, like just cards of all time. Because it turns out that tapping a single black for three black in a Storm deck when, is very, very good. Um, and if you can recast it from your graveyard later, also fantastic. Um, so yeah. That that's gonna be my 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 ramp one because I, I did have that like in there. I was trying to think of the ubiquitous cards from Storm, and that was the one that stood out to me. I like it. Um I, I will say I did not pick any of the one casting charms from Alpha, unfortunately. I have I'm gonna have to break that pattern. I'll just let everybody know right now. Just because you you two both picked one, but I did not. Um I think my, my next card, I'm going to go for a card in my, my third uh, favorite deck, the one that has recently ascended to this deck box that has three that were Zyra and Kozlik. Uh, this is another deck I've talked about on the show, Zada. Huh. You know, Alex, I'm beginning to sense potential theme here. <laughs> you got a theme um, so, going so far? Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit concerned that you may have 200 EDH decks and I'm just not aware of it. <laughs> I mean... That's a lot of decks. I probably have built 200 EDH decks. I could just pull up my old tapped out. Um, no. Um, so the card I want to talk about. So Zada is a commander I've talked about a little bit. I love Zada for the, and again, Zada's not who I want to talk about, but make to completely recontextualize how your what cards you play, because uh, any instant and sorcery I cast to target Zada targets all of my creatures instead of just Zada. So I get to play, it's a mono red deck, but I get to play whatever combat tricks, whatever pump spells, whatever weird, funky little things I want that I can get benefits out of when they were, you know, costed by R&D to be benefiting one creature and I get to hit, you know, six, seven, eight, ten, or however many tokens I have in play and get a lot of value out of it. Obviously, like Crimson Wisps is one people talk about a lot. It's a one drop that gives you a card, but that's not the big one I want to talk about. For me, I want to talk about Fists of Flame. So this is a card that breaks my brain every time I have to cast it, but in a good way, if that makes any sense. So it's an instant for one in red, and it says, draw a card. Until end of turn, target creature gains trample and gets plus one plus O for each card you've drawn this turn. It is easily one of the most powerful cards in this deck, but it is also mm -hmm. the most math card because I'm going to give one creature because I resolve the first copy. I've drawn, I draw a card. Now I've probably drawn two that turn. Then I resolve this next copy. I draw a card. Now I've drawn three. And so every creature <laughs> is getting a different benefit out of this card. All they all get yeah. trampled, which is important. Yes, trample is important in that deck. They all get a different power increase. And so it matters which ones I'm targeting. It matters how many I have out. It breaks my brain, but it is easily the most impactful card in this deck. Because one of the things in this deck, I can run out of steam quickly if I'm trying to go in for a big attack. But because this is going to give me a card for every creature that I have, it refuels my hand. So even if everything on the board dies, I got a grip full of cards I can start rebuilding with. Yeah, I have Zada and that that in my uh feather deck and uh it oh, it does disgusting things nice yep because then i get i get the spell back too to get to do it again the next turn <laughs> yeah feather I, I saw a friend play a feather deck and was like oh man why don't i get to do that in zada yeah <laughs> the instance back so 
I'm going to go out of order again, and I'm going to get my last alpha card out of the list. And um, again, it, it's another red card. It's Mana Flare. And this is, I, I was thinking, like, you know, what is my favorite enchantment in Magic? And I had to think, is like, what is one where I've played it and it's resulted in the weirdest or the most ridiculous stories? And it's definitely Mana Flare. It, it's a terrible card to play because all your opponents take advantage of it before you get to. But the crazy things that have happened in games because of me playing a Mana Flare in my KT deck have just been so many stories that I can remember from games that it is so worth playing this awful card, which just lets everybody double their mana and accelerate their game plans and play all their big plays and do ridiculous things. Uh, it's it's just a fun card to me, and I love bringing that to a game of commander that you know that I fun chaos love that card too um yeah i, I, I love it because it's in red right like because we just associate yeah. that those effects with green so much now and it's yeah it, and it's it's symmetrical the green ones are all one-sided you know it's well see yeah. i felt the, the symmetrical ones in fabine like heartbreed of yeah. spring and like which was um, like the isn't that literally mana flare? Except it is the it is the uh, planar chaos uh, mana flare. Yeah, and then I think dictative of Karamitra is symmetrical now, but then they gave it flash to try to make it so you Just, could take advantage yeah. first to even yeah. out. But yeah, no, I I love mana flare. It also you you I'm never going to argue about Christopher Rush art. Yeah, he was my favorite artist back in in the Alpha back when I started playing in Revised and, and Legends, and so. Love that original art on Mana Flare. Um, and I do really appreciate that Mana Flare has led to. I love playing Fabine because it leads to those stories too, even if I lose. And I yeah. think that that's a really good example. Is like I, I literally have almost died by the time it came back to my turn after dropping it. Yeah, like it's fine. It's hilarious. It is. It was hilarious. That was the important part. Um, my favorite thing, one of the favorite things I've ever done with my KT deck is cast Mana Flare and then immediately cast Fractured Identity on it. <laughs> <laughs> that, okay, that's really good. <laughs> okay, um, so I, I'm gonna go back over to a, a red card, so I'm, I'm trying to spread out the love a little bit here, and, um, I am gonna go with Warp World. Um, <laughs> like when I started playing like EDH, these were the haymakers that people played, and I just love the card. I just love. I understand how frustrating and annoying it is. Uh, I could appreciate that completely. It is one of those cards that you know, like if we're just having a rule zero discussion, if I'm playing my Fapine group hug deck. I like will tell people it's group hug that I'm going to do X, Y, and Z without naming every card, except I will flat out mention, and I play Warp World if you want me to remove it. Um, however, I just really like this idea of something that once again is meant to be quote unquote symmetrical, but your goal is to build around it and to take advantage of it so that it's not, uh, which was a lot of what I learned about even with, with 
with EDH and symmetrical effects, right? It's just that idea that like that's always the joke, right? Is players will be like, well, it's symmetrical, it's fair. Um, but as we all know, anything with parity in it in Magic is you, you know you know that it's coming, you know to prepare for it, and you're the one who built your deck to take advantage of it. And I just I really like the idea though of even just playing Warp World back in the day. It I feel like there was a lot more embracing or being okay with people just playing flat out chaos. It wasn't yeah. and, and part of that was okay, which is maybe just shuffle up and restart, which is a lot harder to do currently. But like people I know just played it. Like there was yeah. no guarantee oh, that wow. you were gonna I, mean, come out I used to I used to see a lot of Warp World and a lot of Great Aurora, but I don't remember the last time I resolved one of those now. It's been a long time. Yeah. I, I did, I have, I like, I did do one on stream. I did do a Warp World on stream that was, like, people knew about it. Um, and, but it, it really is just funny to me because, like, I just remember when I first started playing EH, like, people just cast stuff like that just to see what would happen. Like, there, yeah. it really was the epitome of, like, yeah. let's see what happens. I mean, frankly, back in the day when we were just making up our own formats, one of the things we were doing with our casual 60-card decks was my, my dad being the D&D nerd he was, had a D30. So we created a list of 30 random card effects that we would roll every round. And so you'd have things like All Hallows' Eve. Oh, jeez. Or <laughs> Mana Flare for a turn. Yeah. Or Wrath of God. And, and I guarantee Warp World would have been on that list if, we had, if that had been around at that time. I'll say, it is, it is the acceptable version, like... I, I wanted to say like thieves auction, but I have literally never actually played that <laughs> in a game. Yeah. Uh, so if people don't know thieves auction basically takes all cards in play, and then each person chooses a card in order until all the cards have been chosen. And let me tell you, it, it's not fun to to, to resolve. Yeah. No, like like top five. Probably top three interrupt the game cards up there with Shahrazad. Yeah, yeah, just like just like yeah, it's wild to me that it's been reprinted. Uh, in fact, it's in modern, which is my <laughs> my brain is now. I I'll be back in a little while, guys. <laughs> y'all, you're gonna go work on your thieves auction warp world deck for modern. Yes, one hundred percent. All right. Well, you're working on that. I'm gonna go to the next card for my Zyra Irene deck. Oh gosh, yeah. Because what? what we got, <laughs> wow, 46 minutes. We've got a ways yeah, to go, y'all. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> so, so I'm gonna talk about Tectonic Reformation. This is a card, kind of. Uh, yeah. This this is another card that absolutely is just me, and I keep telling people about it, and I keep not seeing people play it, and I get confused. Um, so this is a uh, enchantment for one and a red. It says, each land card in your hand has cycling red, and then it itself has cycling two. So this is just A in my Zyra deck. It's great for, I love discarding lands. Like I said earlier, I want to move lands around into all the different zones all the time. Um, but Alex, also, I'm really, really sorry to interrupt you, but is this from a deck you've already done? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. Yep, so you might have to recalibrate the, the pattern that you're seeing. Um, that card, actually, this one is, is cheating a little bit because this is also a card that's in my Zada deck. It's also a card literally in every red deck I play because I love that this is, a, is flood insurance for every red deck. Now my lands become cards. 
and especially a mono red deck. I mean, Zada is kind of a special case, but mono red by and large has a hard time drawing cards. And this is, a, it's not more cards, you're just cycling through your deck literally, but it is a good way to be like, ah, just drew my eighth land, my 10th land, I don't need these. Well, now I can try drawing something else and hopefully get into some, some actual gas. So I love that card. All right. Well, um, I'm going to go with my next one, and it's one that I have discussed uh, from my deck on the show before, but uh, yeah, probably my favorite spell to resolve in Magic, Villainous Wealth. I just... <laughs> yeah. Nothing makes me happier than resolving a large Villainous Wealth and just asking for someone to hand me the top 20 cards of their deck. And then I just get to see what to play. And it's like, I never know what I'm going to get to play. And it's always fun finding out. That's really fun too, from that, uh, like, uh, you did this to yourself perspective. Oh yeah, definitely. Like, well, why would you include that in your deck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting to put a concordant crossroads in that deck because the amount of times I've actually gotten a turn cycle to go around to use the stuff I've stolen is maybe once or twice because <laughs> it almost always gets crap <laughs> right after I do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. uh yeah, you know, it's it's fun. It, it's it's frustrating, I'm sure, because some of those turns take a long time when you're processing all those triggers and Sometimes it's also just scoop when I have a way to make a ridiculous amount of mana and I go, I will villainous wealth you for 60 and I will fork that and villainous wealth you for 60. <laughs> like, do we want to resolve these or do we want to just move? Yeah. Scooping is free. You could scoop yeah. it anytime. <laughs> yep. Uh, That's a good one. Uh, uh, this is. Uh, I, I love playing. I love playing cards that let me play other people's cards. I put a tally in almost every deck with bread in it, uh, even when it makes no sense. And um, yeah, I just uh, and being able to play a lot of other people's cards makes me really happy. Okay, so uh, I I am I am uh, you know I know I know we're only on five out of two hundred, but it's like getting tough already. Um, so I am going to go with, it, it's actually a similar thing to what you were just saying, Taya, in terms of like villainous wealth and, and, and it, I like spells that are fun to resolve. Uh, at least I think they're fun to resolve. And I think that another classic example, I was going to choose living death because I, 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 I love living death it is living death and looping living death is probably <laughs> my favorite thing like in the world to do but i am gonna go for the more fun version which is twilight's call so uh -huh. the reason i'm gonna go with this it doesn't get rid of the creatures that are in play which for the deck that i am playing it in doesn't normally matter however why i like twilight's call so twilight's call is six mana um it is from invasion it has great mark romanowski art uh i i actually got um a proof of this with a goblin on the back specifically for my goblin deck but for six mana each player returns all creature cards from their graveyard to play however for two more mana for the low low cost of eight you can cast it as an instant 
And the reason I love this, if we want to talk about things like triggers, is to resolve Twilight's call during combat. (laughs) So it's like, yep, somebody goes to combat, they attack, and you're like, response. And ideally, everybody's got really full graveyards. And you go like eight man, you're like, okay, let's stack all these triggers now. (laughs) All of this is prior to blocks, by the way, y'all. All All this is prior to blocks. (laughs) Like, like, like this. It wouldn't be trolling. Yeah. It wasn't prior to blocks. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. But but the, the, the fact that you could do kind of living death like sometimes living death obviously has its its place for me it's well it's only five and you get rid of the board you, yeah it, it's easier because if you don't have a sack outlet so you know it's, it's easier for me to keep like to, there's better easier ways to loop it it doesn't take as much to loop it um but having the flexibility to be able to cast twilight's call at instant speed during combat it's like this is just the type of stuff i wanted do in a game of magic yeah there's there's a reason in high school i played route instead of wrath of god right exactly <laughs> like, like having that, that instant speed just troll better people, not attack me especially better in a group, a group game and then it's like you know nope you that's what you get for attacking me you should attack someone else yeah now you got settled the wreckage for that <laughs> yeah all right that's back to me already isn't it yeah all right, so I'm going to talk about, I was talking about Zada before. I'm going to talk another card about Zada. So this card, Teamer Battle Rage. Probably Ooh, the, yeah. other, the, the other most powerful or impactful combat trick in that deck. Uh, one in a red, instant target creature gains double strike until end of turn. Ferocious. That creature also gains trample until end of turn if you control a creature with power four or greater. Uh, little one one goblins don't hit four very often, but they do when you cast this after three or four combat tricks in a row. <laughs> um, and let me tell you, goblins get some work done when they get double strike and trample yeah. and a bunch of combat tricks. Um, I've, I first started using this card in a popper deck I built for a, a friend a, lo- a friend of mine um, in the local Minneapolis group like loved to do for his birthday he would just do weird magic things and so he did a popper tournament he restricted how far back you could go for some cards too and I can't remember exactly what but I ended up building a deck that was kind of called the Nivix Rush deck which is basically centered around Teamer Battle Rage and Nivix Cyclops um, which is a 1-4 defender that when you cast an instant or sorcery gets plus 3, plus 0, and loses defender. So it immediately becomes a 4-4 four, four trample uh, double strike if you cast Team or Battle Rage, and that's if you have nothing else going on. And believe me, in that deck, you have lots of instants and sorceries. So it was a lot of fun in that deck, and that, as soon as I started building Zada, boom. It, it was in the first... Team or Battle Rage was in the first version of that deck. It'll be in the last version of that deck. It'll always be in this deck. And unlike most combat tricks, um, apparently it's impactful enough that it got a nice little extended art thing in one of yeah, the uh, Commander Legends. I need to put that into my feather deck. So that's I, I spent a lot. I've, I've spent a lot of time getting nice versions of cards in my Zyra deck, but 
I'm, I'm starting to work on Zada, but unfortunately, there's a lot of cards in Zada that will probably never get a nice treatment. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like nobody cares about a random third combat trick from this draft set that no one plays anymore. Your, your creature is ready. Blend a turn, draw a card. Yeah. I, honestly, I think Crimson Wisps, that is Crimson Wisps, is yeah, probably yeah. iconic enough yeah. for that that it might get a reprint. But let, let me just pull the deck out and grab a random combat trick and just yeah. just just there is no way that oh now i can't find any kick in the door kick in the door yeah kick in the door one red put a plus one plus one counter on target creature it gains haste until end of turn it can't be blocked by walls venture into the dungeon that card is not going to be cared about anyone except Zada players. Uh, ah, venturing into the dungeon. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, and when you can do it like seven times in the same turn and you permanently buff all of your creatures, it's a great card for one mana. I love it for this deck. It's not going to show up with a special printing at any time soon. Oh. Lovely. Well... My next card is one of my commanders that I've also talked about on the show quite a bit. It's our good goblin friend, Doretti. Uh, you know, I've got plenty that could say about him if we actually knew any more lore about him than just, you know, a paragraph or two we've gotten. Um, <laughs> hey, <laughs> wizards, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah um, we have no idea where Doretti is or what he's up to nowadays uh, post uh, desparking but we hope he's doing well yeah (laughs) hope he is building whatever he wants to build um, and getting lots of good cards out of the graveyard because that's what he is fantastic at doing so um that's pretty Maybe buddy cop movie with Grenzo? Like I don't know. If he's stuck. I mean if he's there, yeah. Uh or he could you know build a giant mech or something. I don't know if Fiona Fiona probably isn't ready for giant mechs. So if he picked up some if he like learned how to make them on Kaladesh while he was out, that would he might be able to challenge uh, challenge the queen there. Yeah, okay. take down Marchesa for the throne. I've got yeah. a pitch. I've got a pitch. <laughs> Doretti ends up on Kaladesh, learns how to make mechs, then accidentally ends up on Ikoria, and now we have Pacific Rim. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kaiju versus mechs, I would watch. I would, I would play that set a lot. And, and then... Maybe we have actual Pacific Rim in the like Godzilla style thing, but I don't know. I think even if it's just that sort of theming, I, I want that now. Well, I you know coming off of the Doretti one is is actually pretty perfect. So my next one is a recent commander, which is Slimefoot and Squee, and I will say like this is because this is the team up that I would love. Like, just, like, when we were getting this, like, I still cannot believe that a ton of these team-ups got, like, a little blurb about, like, how the two characters got together. But yet we still don't get how Slimefoot and Squee ended up hanging out, right? 
last we see of Squee, dubious monarch loses the ability to actually like regenerate, no longer immortal, and then like nothing, just goes off on an adventure. Phyrexian's wars happening all around, and the next time we actually see is Squee is now paired with Slimefoot, and, and like it's cool. I love it. Uh, it also finally gives me a playable Squee for Commander because that was one of my hardest things was like building around. Like none of the Squees were really like build arounds. Like Dubious Monarch was not a build around. The Immortal, not a build around. So like th th they were so many problems with the other ones being build arounds. But getting a Jund Commander that gives us like the Slimefoot ability with kind of the funny part being that Squee now could come back from the graveyard. Like, it's really just funny. The ability allows regeneration from the graveyard, even though Squee no longer is immortal. But it makes for a playable slime foot in Squee. And that's definitely kind of like I I I was really excited when this card was spoiled. Um it quick it just easily replaced my Shatter Gang brothers at the head of my like aristocrat stack. Nice. I Love that card design too. So I'm glad you got a squee you can play. Yeah, that was like the bummer for the longest time was just like every squee was just it's I mean like they're all fine. Like the immortal and, and the the original, like Squee, Goblin and Bob are fine in decks, like, you know, for, for playing like in in an aristocrat style deck and everything else. But um yeah, so that's my uh numbers number six. So six down, whew, we feeling pretty good about keep going. Uh, yeah, like we, we got another 194. Alex, what's your next one? Oh, nope, I feel like that was five. Sorry, I was muted. It helps to podcast if you're not muted. <laughs> um, there's just a little extra tip there on our 200th episode for anyone else who's looking to podcast. Don't be <laughs> muted when you're supposed to be talking. Yeah, that's so wild. I was like, I'm like looking over here, sending messages in the other chats like, oh, gosh, we're having technical difficulties. But yeah. really? F five? Is that only yeah, five? Yeah, I think that was five. I, yeah, so I we have 195 out. left to go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Okay. 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 Got, so so I'm going to go with another weird one from my Kozilek deck. Um, another one that uh, somebody asked me about its legality because I like to play these weird cards. So this is Deal Broker from Conspiracy. Um, <laughs> it's, it's an artifact creature for three. It's a two, three. Um, it has a whole lot of irrelevant text about drafting. And if you draft it, you draft this, you do this drafting thing. Um, but what I care about is the bottom line that says tap, draw a card, and then discard a card. Um, it's just a fun, it's a, it's a good way to loot in my Kozilek deck. It's a colorless deck, which means doesn't have access to a lot of the things that are in most colors. And this was a fun little card that I can play in there. And yes, it is actually legal to play. Obviously the draft portions of the text on the card don't matter when it is built into a deck. Um, but I, I like it. It's a lot of fun in, in Kozilek. Yeah, I really appreciate the, these cards. They're colorless Merfolk looter. Well, yeah, that's good one. Um, my uh, next card is Doretti's best friend, Wormcoil Engine. Nice. Uh, you know, I when I think of artifact creatures or just creatures in general, I, I was, you know, what I was thinking, what creature, you know, just says magic to me, and uh, it had to be Doretti's best friend. Um, you know, it's six six lifelink death touch that makes three three lifelink and three three death touch when it dies and i just want to recur that thing as many times as i can and get as much value off of it as i can and 
probably never pay its casting cost. Uh, you know. Six mana in this, yep. in this economy. economy. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. The most I'll pay is four. You know, if I've got an Ugin on the field, I might cast it. But uh... <laughs> nice. Like, uh, a, like a good goblin artificer, you you don't pay you don't pay its cost. You don't find never pay retail. No, never pay retail. <laughs> but the uh, yeah, so uh, you know, I don't think of what else I can I can want in a creature. I like my creature simple. Two uh, two evergreen keywords on a six six uh, artifact colorless creature. I can't can't get much simpler than that. I also like my creature simple, which is why my next one is from Legends, and it is <laughs> Angus McKenzie. Wow, uh, our, our original Bant, um, and uh, there's a lot of reasons I actually love this card, but um, the, the main reason was uh, this is normally a color way out of my wheelhouse, but I wanted to build something different, and I wanted to build enchantments. And if you've ever seen the card. It looks like a dead ringer for Tim the Enchanter from Monty Python. And w- one of the f- my most fun memories from getting to go to events uh, prior, like the first kind of Vegas is the second Vegas that we had, uh, the second GP Vegas, uh, Byron Wackwitz, the artist, was there. And I started just like geeking out and being like, I was getting my copy signed. I will say I am very angry at that Hobbs who did not know about artist proofs um, <laughs> who just had his copy to get signed, which, you know, wasn't a very long line for Byron back then. I probably he may have had a proof still. Anyway, uh, I got talking to Byron and I, and I mentioned like, I love this card because it looks like Tim the Enchanter and I love Monty Python. And he like stops me and he goes, you know, I actually had gotten the like assignment right after finishing Holy Grail. And it was like, it was clearly modeled after Tim the Enchanter. And I just love that fact. And I love the fact that it led to a deck building. And I had never really built, like, I had played a Turbo Fog deck back then. I didn't know what Fog was because I didn't play green. I knew what Holy Day did. Um, I knew what Holy Day and its variants did when I played, you know, like a, a mill, a mill uh, Fog deck. Um, it was basically like 12 versions of Holy Day at the time. Uh, <laughs> it was in standard. There was like Holy Day, Ethereal Haze, and then there was the Kami that you could sacrifice to do it. Uh, play that in a deck with like Mesmeric Orbs and just like just like, like milk cards that were randomly in standard at the time. But like I had never really built EDH around that. So to build Enchantress and to build a Pillow Fort, but then to have a fog ability on a creature and it costs like three mana to do. And you like, we're playing multiplayer. I can only do it once per round. I don't know. There's just something about that card. I, I just, I love it to this day. I, I know that's kind of, that's one of your signature commanders Hobbs. And I should have seen that coming when you were talking about legends, <laughs> but when you, when you use the, the, the hook speak, I, I too like my creature simple. I thought I, for just a second, I was really hoping you're going to be like, Sir Chandelar of Everin, <laughs> seven vanilla legend for six mana because Legends is full of these just random overcosted <laughs> vanilla legends. That, I mean, that, that was my hope. Spend, was the, that you uh, thought I thought was you were going to Nickel Bolas. <laughs> well, see, you know, we've somehow made it this oh. far, and I haven't mentioned Nickel Bolas, but it's coming. We, I've got a while. Two hundred is a lot. So you get one hundred ninety-four more cards to mention Nickel Bolas. 
Okay, Alex. All right. Um, so I think I got one more. Well, I got more than one more because we got so many. But I have one that I think would be everyone <laughs> to talk about right now. Well, let's let's let's. I guess we could stop here. So we're at eighteen, um, my which is like two hundred. If we say twenty, however, <laughs> twenty does not divide by three, which means I feel like we all get one more. I, I feel like I'm going to cheat here. Great. And and, and great. In what I what I believe is the perfect answer. Oh, First, perfect. Perfect. Great. 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 So this is a, this is a great conundrum, but I think the the <laughs> for our show, well, there's other cards that are perfect for our show, but I'm going to go slightly sideways from that and I'm going to bring up Goblin Slide. Oh, damn, so dude. Come on. on. We've mentioned yeah. this on the show before, but I don't think it's been a while, and it, it's usually in passing. But so, Goblin Slide is an enchantment. Whenever you cast a non-creature spell, you may pay one. If you do, you get a one-one red goblin token with with haste. It's in my Zada deck. I love the card. But the flavor text of Goblin Slide is: Goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers, which is probably familiar to you if you have listened to our show and you don't turn it off as soon as we stop talking and go into the outro. Because that has been our outro since the very beginning of our show. Um, in fact, I was playing this, well, not quite the beginning of our show, actually, because I was playing this at GP, uh, it was at the time, it was still GP Minneapolis, um, right after we started recording. We had done a handful of episodes, and I was playing this against Joe, who was uh, on the show at the time, and I kind of pointed out the flavor text I just thought was kind of funny, and he's like, oh no, that's our show, dude. Like, that's the tagline now. And it's been the outro in the outro of our show since then. That, that's uh I think that's a good cap off to this list then, isn't it? And I'll let you know, um just out of curiosity, I've been trying to count all of the cards we mentioned. Unfortunately we only got to sixty two. I was kinda hoping we'd be closer to two hundred. Oh man. I don't know if you noticed me just like randomly yeah. name dropping things as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really impressed. The numbers. Yeah, yeah. That was good patty. <laughs> I didn't get to. I didn't get to meet. I didn't get to mention Void Mage Husher. Nope, uh, sure didn't. Wallace well, was where I was going for my last. So Taya, Taya did a nice job of calling me out when I tried to throw the curve of a legend <laughs> and then choosing not Bolas. Um, I thought we were doing one more, and so I uh, I had prepared Bolas, but that still only gets us to sixty three. Well, sixty four because yeah. you just mentioned Void Mage Husher. Well, but we'd already mentioned Bolas, so if you already were counting that. Yeah, I could mention all versions of Bolas. I, I, I did appreciate that you ran through all the versions of Fog that were in that format because that really added the count. That was our highest entry. I'll have you know, I have eight card references in that entry. <laughs> so, gosh, I could have got I, I could have got deep. That deck played Isochron Scepter with Mana Leak and maybe Memory, memory Lapse because Memory Lapse with Mesmeric Orb is mm -hmm. hilarious. All right, oh, six, <laughs> 66 unique cards, Taya. Do you want to push that over? <laughs> now we have to get three more is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, no, um, I I did get to, uh, I got to play the last March of the Ents on uh, Saturday and that, or Sunday. Um, and I had a creature with toughness 11 on the board and I only flipped two creatures out of 11 cards. 
you know, Elrond uh, Wise Healer, whatever his name is, is a pretty fun commander. Gets to do all those just benefit from all the scrying uh, you can do, and gets to play a lot of really crappy cards that just say scry on them uh, because you get plus one plus one counters off of them. Oh, and since we have one more, I guess to hit. I guess I'll just say Earthbind for some just out of the Jeez. out of the, just, just nice. came to my mind. I just yeah, nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you have it. If you've stayed around this long, you uh, have made we it to off our with a, a touching tribute to Sheldon and end end with a uh, sex know... joke. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I really feel like this is a goblin lore episode. Like, I mean, I feel like that, this is like the epitome of this show. Two hundredth episode. We got there. Yeah, we got there. <laughs> and that's our show for today. You can find all of the hosts on Twitter for now. Hobbs can be found at Hobbs Q. Tay can be found at Taya Transcends, and Alex can be found at Mel underscore Chronicler. Feel free to send us any questions, comments, thoughts hopes and dreams to the Goblin Lore Pod on Twitter or email us at goblinlorepodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support your friendly neighborhood gobslugs, our link tree can be found on our Twitter account and in the description of today's show. This has everything from various discount codes to the link for our Patreon. The music for today's show was by Vintergotten, who can be found at Vintergotten at bandcamp.com. The art was done by Stephen Raphael, who can be found at Steve Raffle on Twitter. Goblin Lore is proud to be presented by Hipsters of the Coast as part of their growing Vorthos content. Check them out on Twitter at HipstersMTG or online at HipstersOfTheCoast.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, goblins, like snowflakes, are only dangerous in numbers. <laughs> <laughs>